Well, good morning. Um, if, if you don't know who I am as well, I'm Philip. I'm the student pastor here at Bethany Baptist. And I would encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there is one in front of you. It will also be on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 5. Um, like Pastor Nathan said, my message is geared towards these three graduates here this morning, but it is absolutely a challenge to me, and I hope it is a challenge to all of you here today. Wherever God has brought you here today, I don't want you to forget that this is not here by accident. God has brought you here this morning to hear His Word, and so I hope you're challenged by it. So would you please, if you're able, to be stand and read the honor of God's Word this morning. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's go back to our focus verse this morning, Matthew 5, chapter 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to ask God's mercy upon this. Father, you are gracious to us that we could come here, wake up, and to celebrate with other believers here today, that we can open up your word. We can discuss it, Father. You are merciful to us even to allow us to do even this. So, Father, I ask that the words I say this morning, that you would be honored and glorified and that we might be forever changed. Amen. So, graduates, you have crossed yet another mile marker in your life. From this point forward, you are no longer considered children. You are considered young adults. By our society standards, you are beginning adulthood. Now, I know your parents probably still will, or see you in a different light as a much younger version of yourself right now. But unlike this, this moment for them has probably come too quickly. I know for you, this moment couldn't get here fast enough. But allow them to enjoy you being you for just a few more minutes longer. And I want to talk to you this morning about change itself. Because up to this point, you have grown up, you have matured in some form or fashion, you have changed in some form or fashion. You're no longer the same person you were when you were in kindergarten, or first grade, sixth grade, or even last year. And if God allows you to live to the ripe old age of 100, you will probably change more than that. But the fact is, I want us to talk about what is lasting change? What is mature change? Because the way we see change sometimes, we see it in a very proactive sense. This is what I mean by that. 
like when you woke up this morning, you changed the way your hair looked. You didn't want to come here this morning looking the way you woke up this morning. So you fixed your hair and make it look nice and whatever way you wanted to look presentable. So you're proactive in that. This, this afternoon when your parents have taken all the photos in the world, uh, known to man, and believe me, they're coming and they'll be there. That's fine. You might even change the way you look on Instagram by just tweaking the photos with some filters on it. You're proactive to those things. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But the change I'm talking about this morning is changing coming from your heart. That lasting change, maturing change, comes when God changes your heart. When God changes, He makes your heart pure. That's why we can say you're blessed are the pure in heart. Because that's where change normally comes. That's where lasting change will come. So what do I mean by when, when, when Jesus says the word pure here? Because in our, in our context here, pure has a, a, a few variety of connotations and glosses and definitions. You might think of the word pure here as purified water. It's free from contamination. Like when we drink water, it has no more bacteria to make us sick anymore. So we think of purification in that way. Or maybe you think of a purifying in the sense of your outward appearance. Like you purify, you don't want other people to influence you. You don't want them to influence you and your, their morality. You, you want good influences in your life. And so you view purity that way. Or maybe even from abstaining acts to keep your body pure. Or we might think of purified in the white sense where the bride, when she comes down the aisle to meet her groom, she is wearing white because she has kept herself pure. So see, when Jesus is talking about purity here, he is definitely talking about being purity from the inside out, not just the outward appearance of purity. And sometimes I wonder when we think about outward change, when we think about changing ourselves, we think about it in a very proactive way without thinking about what God has already done in our life already. So, for instance, we're, we're in the Sermon on the Mount this morning in, in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus will spend the next few chapters talking about what does it mean to change inwardly. To see, we can't approach those texts first without first approaching what Jesus is saying here in the Beatitudes. They're what I would call a preamble to these Beatitudes. You can't change on your own without first realizing that God has changed you. I give the illustration this way. When I, when I, if I were to quote this movie real quick, Luke, I am your father. Now, if, you're, if your parents were good, good parents and they let you watch Star Wars as a kid, you would just heard me quote Star Wars. And some of you would probably, the, the very diehard Star Wars fans, say, no, Darth Vader doesn't say that. He just says, I am your father. But either way, when we get to that, all the, the entire story is filled up in the exact same thing. When you hear that, you think of Luke as this young Jedi with his nemesis, Darth Vader. And then he finds out that he's genealogically related to him. And all of that comes in. Then you think about the end of the movie where there's reconciliation between him and his father and the emperor. That you think of all those things. The same thing I want you to think about when you think about change, it must start with Jesus, with blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What does God mean when he calls us to be pure? What is the intention for him, for us being pure? 
I want you to look at, uh, at this verse on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But it's Psalm 24, verses 3 through 4. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. See, purity itself in our lives, purity in our hearts, is for the sole purpose of having access to God himself. That it wasn't just enough to be an Israelite that you would have access to God. Now, it's not just enough for us to have parents who are Christians to have access to God. No, you need a clean heart. And even back then, the people of Israel, only one person a year had access to God. And that was the high priest. And he had to cleanse himself. He had to offer sacrifices for his sins to even be in God's presence. So for Jesus to say, blessed are the pure in heart that they have access to God, this is a very radical statement for him to say so. Because we see verses like Proverbs 20, verse 9, where uh, the author says, I have, who can say this? I have kept my heart pure. I am cleansed from my sin. Who can, who can really physically say that? Who can actually say that I, on my, in my own power, in my own doing, in my own outward changes, I have kept my heart pure. I've cleansed myself from my sin. Who can say that? No one can. And what does Jesus say in the New Testament? He says in Mark chapter 7, verse 14, He says, listen to me, all of you. Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him. But things that come out of a person, that is what defiles him. See, it's, it's never enough. I hope I'm, I'm berating this point very, very clear. That our outward perceptions can never be changed on our own. Our sinful hearts defile us. And we need to be cleansed. We need to be purified. And only the purification that Jesus offers. Graduates, you've grown up in a society where it is very popular to filter things. And it's very hard to know if things are authentic, things are real, things are what's fake and what's not. You want to know what the authentic faith is? Authentic faith is approaching God in your brokenness and desiring to be clean so that you can be pure. So you can't be authentic in your faith without a complete dependence upon God Himself. And in a culture where their constant pulse is the message is, forget about changing, you're perfect the way you are. You need a reminder that you're not perfect. Yet. You're not perfect. Yet. Yes, you're, you're more mature today than you were when you were in kindergarten. But that doesn't mean you're perfect now. It never means you'll be perfect. You need Jesus to grow your maturity. He is the one who purifies our hearts, not us. He gets to decide what stays in our heart, and what leaves. He is the sole rule and the founder of our faith. And I ask you the question, do your actions align with the thoughts of your heart? That's a very hard question for even myself to ask. Because sitting here in, in the coolness of your time by yourself, when nobody's around, 
Nobody's expecting anything from you. Nobody's looking at you. There's nothing to gain. What are you like? What are your motives that nobody else can see but God Himself? Do they align with your actions? Are your actions pure, reflecting your heart, or are your actions impure? Are your motives pure, or are they impure? Where does God need to purify your motives in your life? So you can have an action. You can do you can do great and wonderful and good things in your life. But are they doing are you doing those things for people to look at you? Are you doing those things for you to be perceived well? Are you doing things for those outcomes? Or are you doing them with the motives of reward of seeing God? See, Jesus spends the majority of his time on the Sermon on the Mount focusing on on issues of the heart itself. To Jesus, every action is backed up with our heart's desires. Murder, it begins with a hatred of your fellow brothers and sisters. Adultery, it begins not in the action itself, but in the sexual greed for another person who is not your spouse. Having a desire to be truthful in everything, a good thing, it starts in your heart. Loving people who hate you, being generous without a desire to be noticed, Praying and fasting when no one is watching. These are all things that start in the private moments of your life. And only later do they ever enter the public theater of life. So I challenge you, ask Jesus to purify your heart so that you can change. Be honest with yourself. And what I call you to be like Jesus and, and the leper in Mark's Gospel, where the leper himself, he, he's completely ostracized from all, from all society because he has leprosy. And there's nothing he can physically do to change that. And he comes to Jesus and says, make me well, make me whole, make me clean. Because we know anything about this story. Jesus does the same thing. He says, he moves with compassion. And he says, be well. Be clean. Jesus is the only one who can make him clean, and he will be reward. He will reward you with cleanliness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God Himself. I want to sit here and think about this for a moment. Think about that reward. Seeing God. We don't have a category for that in our, in, our, in our thoughts. We don't have a category for what it means to see God Himself. Because no one has seen the fullness of God. Moses, the great prophet and the writer of many books in the Old Testament, was asked God, can I see you? Show me your glory. And what does God respond? He says, you can't look upon me and live. No one can see God and live because of our sinfulness, of our wickedness, of where our heart reveals about us. No one can see God. So think of when Jesus says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He is making an audacious statement here that a person like you and me, that we can see Him. 
We can be with Him. We can have fellowship with Him. It goes back to Adam and Eve in the creation when God came in the very beginning and He would walk with Adam and Eve. He would talk with them. He would have a relationship with them. That's restoration. We don't have a category for that in our society. We can't begin to think. When we think about eternity, when we think about heaven, we have a few categories. Okay, there's no more sin. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more evil. But we can't even comprehend even that portion of it. To add on the the other category of being able to see God Himself, we have no category for that. We don't know what that will look like. We can look at it, but we are promised that. Look at Revelation chapter 22 with me real quick. It says, It says this in uh, verse 3, The throne of God of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. This is the end after Jesus has made everything right. And He says this in verse 4, They will see His face. And His name will be on their foreheads. They are His. They are His possession. This is a reward. When we think about rewards, when we think about the purpose of change itself, do we think about that the, the sole purpose of changing ourselves, the sole purpose of God purifying us, is so that we can be with Him one day? It's not to please your friends. It's not to please your future spouse. It's not to please your parents. It's not to please your teammates. It's not to please your teachers. It's not to please your professors. It's not to please your coaches. It's not to please your people that you might be working for one day. No, the sole purpose of changing is to be face-to-face with God. So Paul also says this with all these promises in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, Let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and of the spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves so that holiness can have its full completion. I ask the question, when you see a seeing God, is that a reward to you? Is it a reward to you? Do you care about it? Or do you care about other people seeing you? Do you care about other people looking at you? Do you care about having more likes on your social media account? Or do you see, or you rather have favor from God Himself? That is the greatest motivation for change in our life. Any other way, changing for the purpose of, of other than seeing God would never be worth it. It's all futile. Changing for your friends? They're not worth changing for. They can't give you anything that God can give you more. Changing for your family? It sounds good. It's a good thing, but it's not the ultimate goal. Changing for the sake of honoring God, having a pure heart, being cleansed forever, being with Him, that is a more pure goal to have. You're going to face trials. You're going to face heartache. Sleepless nights. 
things that you thought you'd never, ever expect. The only way it'll be worth changing is for the sake of God Almighty. Nothing more. All the riches this world will offer you, they'll never do. Change in work or retirement, retirement will still result in death. Change and do good things for the sake of having wealth, wealth will always bring you dissatisfaction. Changing for the sake of having more success in life, whatever that looks like, it will only leave you unsuccessful. Only when you change for the sole purpose of being purified by Jesus will you see everything differently. You'll see your friends differently, your family, your loved ones, your workers, your occupation. Everything you'll see My question to you again this morning is, why is your heart pure? Is it because of your actions? Which means, if that's the case, your heart's not pure at all. Or is it because Jesus has cleaned you? Has He washed you? Has He made you pure? Because that is lasting change. That is mature change. That is something you can build your life on. Wherever you go, wherever God sends you, wherever He places you at, I hope that this is what reminds you of what change truly is. See, it's not about just looking at yourself and realizing you need to change. No, it's looking at yourself and you desire God to change you. Get in His Word. Ask Him, what do you need changing? What do you need correcting? Get in his word with other people. Read it with somebody else. Read it with your parents. Read it with your friends. Share what you're learning. This life is not about being on your own. God created us to live and commune with other people and to grow and mature with other people as well. He's a big enough God to do just that. Or maybe you're here this morning and God has not changed you at all. My call is still the same for all of you here. Ask God to give you a pure heart. To cleanse you from all the sins and impurities in your life. And He will come and He will have mercy. He will have compassion on you. And He will change you. I know He will because He is faithful to the uttermost. Let's pray this morning. Father, You are gracious to us and we don't deserve it. One bit, one iota. But you have given us grace. You have given us mercy. You have given the ones who call out for a pure heart, you have given us purity. And so I ask, I beg, I plead that we will look upon change as starting with you and ending with you, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith, and we will one day get to see your face. May that be our motivation. May that be our reward from now and throughout eternity. That blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen.
my heart, Lord Jesus.